Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So look, let's say our declaration if you're watching today or if you're in the house for the first time. We say this every week. This is really what God has put uh, on our heart and resonates within us every week. We say it because this is just another part of our discipleship. Uh, And let's say it like we mean it. Are you ready? Here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. Uh, I'm going to, as I'm teaching today, this is going to really kind of serve as a a really good bed uh, for foundation for uh, what I'm going to be talking to you about. I started last week a series called um, The Best Question Ever. And so today we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. In just a few minutes, we'll get there. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. And so this, this series called The Best Question Ever, last week, if you were here, if you weren't, you can go online and, and find that message. But last week, if you were here, you know that I presented to you the, the best question ever is not is it okay for me to do, not is it the right thing for me to do, but is it the wise thing for me to do? Because there are a lot of things in life that, um, that are okay, but it just may not be the wise thing for you to do. It may not be the right timing for it, or you may need to wait because there's another decision that takes precedence or priority over that. So when, when we can incorporate this into our life, as in, is it the wise thing to do? Is this, should I marry this person? Should I date this person? Should I take this job? Should I buy this car? Uh, should I move into this particular city? Asking yourself, God, what is the wise thing for me to do? Just always being connected with God's heart. And so today, we're really going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about in the light of is it the wise thing to do, we're going to be talking about what God's word says about certain things. Now, the scripture says this in Psalm 119 and 11, it says, God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I've hidden your word in my heart. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to hide God's word in your heart? You know, my wife, I'm going to throw her under the bus. You know, I'm always throwing her under the bus. I'm going to throw her under the bus. Like, sometimes I'll be, just get that little chocolate. You know, you just got that little chocolate feeling, that urge to have you something, a little chocolate, you know? I'll go into the pantry. There's nothing in the pantry. But Mama Shay, she done hid some chocolate away somewhere in the house. And I discovered her stash. And I love to go in and rob her stash. Y'all got to watch out. You got to protect your stuff because the enemy will come in and steal it. You know what I mean? And I found her stash her chocolate stash one day. And I'm like, that's life box. You know, you know, here I'm having my chocolate crave and I, you know, I ease in there and I take a little bit out 
enjoy it for myself. Now, I never tell her, but she keeps count of it because she's hidden it. Why? Because she hid it there for her benefit. And when she goes in there and finds out that somebody's been up in the chocolate, then she comes to me and she's like, mm-hmm, I know you ate my Reese's Pieces. I'm like, the devil is a lie. Uh-uh. <laughs> but you hide it. When you hide something, you treasure it. it you, you, you tuck it away so that it can be beneficial for you. Like, every time you, co- you come into the house of God, don't ever walk away. Because I've, I've said this myself and I've heard other people say it. Like, you know, that's, that was good, but, you know... I. I already either knew that or, you know, I just didn't get anything out of the message today. Well, that's not my fault. It's not, you, it, it's not Holy Spirit's fault. Whose fault is it? It's your fault if you don't get something out of it. Take it and, and tuck it away. Because like today, you might not, that whole experience that we had just a few minutes ago, today you may not need your faith built up. You do. Like, don't wait until a crisis, don't wait till crises break out in your life before you need to have your faith build up. The time for you to build your faith up is when you don't need a great amount of faith. Are you following me? The time that you need to building your, be building yourself up with Scripture is not in the middle of a crisis. It's like you already have that tucked away inside of you so that when it comes, Holy Spirit will, it, I mean, you, Scripture will be coming up from it within you that you didn't even know was there. Why? Because you tucked it away. You hid it in your heart. Now, I've got a few people that are going to help me to kind of uh, share something uh, kind of in, in, in an illustrated way today. I was a children's pastor for 15 years, so you got, you got to understand, in children's ministry, I used all kind of props and things like that. And so today, I'm going to try to illustrate my point to you, and here's what I want you to take away from the message today. It's when my heart is in the right place, I will always end up at the right place. Think about it. Let it soak in for just a second. When my heart is in the right place, I will always end up at the right place. What's the right place? The right place is where God wants you to be. The right place is where God needs you to be. The right place is where God has prepared for you to be. There's a right place to be and there's a wrong place to be. And a lot of times when we make poor decisions, in other words, unwise decisions, we will end up in the wrong place. Has anybody in the room besides me ever, or watching online, has anybody besides me, ever wondered, how did I get here? How did we end up here? I literally have questioned myself about that in the past several years of my life because I'm like, I didn't see this coming. I don't see anything that I did sin-wise that got me here. Nevertheless, somehow I'm here. How in the world did I get here? Because it ain't the right place. It's at a very terrible place. It's a, it's a place of tragedy and 
death and chaos and, and, and lack. It's not a fun place to be if you've ever been in the wrong place. It's wonderful when you're in the right place. But when you're in the wrong place and you either can trace it back to some of your decisions or maybe you can't place your finger on it. And there have been times in my life it's like I truly don't know how I got there. I try to re, re, uh, uh, trace my steps both uh, my actions and my decisions, and I still don't understand how I got here. And the more people you add to the equation, when it's only you, you only got you to blame. But when you pull more people into the equation, it gets a little muddier. It gets a little more complicated. Because, see, I can control me, but I can't control you. I'm in charge of me, but you're in charge of you. And how I respond to a situation, I could be totally, or let, let, let me put it like this. You could totally be operating under the influence of God and Holy Spirit leading you. But maybe I'm not. And so it's a partnership. And the more people you bring into a situation, sometimes if we're not all walking in unity, that's why Psalm 133 is so important. It says, how good and pleasant, how good and pleasant, not ugly and destructive and messy, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in what? Unity. unity. And unity does not mean just, hey, we're, at least nobody's fighting. Unity means that we're going the same direction. We have the same mindset. We're going the same direction at the same pace. And the scripture is when it talks about, hey, it's good and it's pleasant when we dwell together in unity. That is where the blessing of the Lord manifests itself. That's a good place to be in, guys. A wonderful place to be in. Well, how do we get to the right place? I'm just telling you, how is, you know, when we started this, we started today off with our declaration. I will constantly guard my and align it with God's word. That's how God speaks to us. His word. Well, doesn't he speak through Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I just want to share this with you right quick. A few things. We're going to let Quentin represent God. Don't get a big God complex, Quentin. Sierra, we're going to pray for you today, this week, all right? But God, Quentin is going to represent God. So here we go. We've got God, and he's going to represent God's word, all right? And God's word is the truth. Jesus is the logos, the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and God was the word. So he represents God in, in his fullness, the, the, the word of God. God's word is always going to lead you to the right place. Always. You cannot read God's word. You cannot fill yourself with God's word and end up at the wrong place if you're following God's word. Now, you have the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit is always going to align itself with God's Word. Never will Holy Spirit contradict the Word. Never. Never will Holy Spirit go against God's Word. 
Never will Holy Spirit tell you something opposing what the Word of God has already laid out. Holy Spirit is how God operates in the world today, through the Word and through Holy Spirit. If, Holy, if God is leading you to the right place, Holy Spirit is going to be following. It doesn't matter where the God goes. Holy Spirit is going to follow always the Word of God. Holy Spirit is always going to follow the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit never is going to contradict the Word of God. If Holy Spirit is telling you something different, that's not Holy Spirit. That's not God's Spirit because God's Spirit and Holy Spirit are always one and the same. The Word of God lays the foundation for Holy Spirit to operate. Holy Spirit cannot operate outside of the boundaries of the Word of God. Have I made myself clear? You're never going to get something different. So, how do I know if, well, I feel like Holy Spirit is telling me to do something. Hmm. But I'm not sure. I think it's the Holy Spirit. How do I validate whether it's the Holy Spirit or not? Go to God's Word. Go to God's Word. I believe Holy Spirit's telling me to hook up with this guy at work. He shows me all kind of love and affection, and he, he treats me like a woman. Not me, but her. Yeah. <laughs> he, he treats me like a queen. He takes me out. He edifies me, builds me up. But he's not a believer. But Holy Spirit is... He's, he's, Holy Spirit is... Telling me to get connected with him. Is that Holy Spirit? Why is it not Holy Spirit? Because the scripture clearly defines what our relationships look like. That when we are looking to connect ourselves with someone, that we will not connect ourselves with someone who is an unbeliever. I know that's hard for us to accept. I know that that might even go against some people in the room, and you're like, well, maybe you got to get saved before we leave church today, you know? (laughs) But I'm telling you, there are people that will say, man, Holy, I just feel it right. I'm going to show you there. The scripture says, That there seems to be a way that is right to a man. There are so many ways. We're going to talk about it a little bit later from the book of Romans. But there seems to be a way that's right. But in the end, it leads to death. And maybe not a physical death. But I'm telling you, I've experienced some some, uh, times in my life where I've cried worse than I did when I lost somebody physically. It's a pain that is literally worse than death and there are ways that our emotions our bodies will convince us that this is the will of God for my life but if you're looking for the will of God through Holy Spirit and not validating that through the word I'm telling you the word and the and the spirit are always walking in tandem They are always walking in step with one another. They never are out of alignment, never out of misstep. So now, here I come along. John, he's going to represent us. So here's old John. And John has a way of doing things. He's just kind of a maverick spirit. He likes to do his own thing sometimes. 
He's been raised in church. Maybe he hadn't been, and he just, you know, got saved a few years ago. And I want you guys to come back over here. And so he's been listening to some teaching, and we've been going through this whole thing with John. John, I will constantly guard my heart. Man, John, if you constantly guard your heart and you align your heart with God's holy word, because everything you do is going to flow. All of your business decisions, all of your family decisions, all your money decisions, all of your health, everything, everything you do is going to flow out of this. And so, you know, here we go. Where, where, if his heart is in the right place, I can't see his heart. I, I don't know if his heart's in the right place. Scripture says that we, we will know them by the fruit they bear. And we will know people by their love for one another. But we will know them. We will be able to judge whether his heart is in alignment with God's word. As to his actions. What fruit he bears. So I can't see him right now. All I can do is tell him and watch him. That's all I can do. And so if God's word is going to lead him to the right place. Because as long as his heart's in the right place. And he's following the Word of God, Holy Spirit, where's he going to end up? He's going to end up in the right place. But let's rewind this real quick. Y'all come back over here. All right? So here we are again. But if John's heart is not in the right place, all right? So y'all just face that way for a second. But if his heart's not in the right place, and if he is just a little bit off, now straight line to where you're going. I mean, he's just a little bit off. But think about where that leads him. Off the cliff. He's, but he's just a little bit off. And, and, and haven't, didn't you hear what I said earlier last week when it's like, how, far, how close can I get? to the right place how far apart can I get from the right place till I'm not in the right place how close to sin can I live are there any guidelines or rules that I can't do it instead of looking at it that way is it the wise thing that I need to be doing and is my heart really lined up with the heart of God God's word now I want you to zip it back over here they're back over here. All right. There's this beautiful thing called conviction. Notice I didn't say condemnation. There's this beautiful thing called conviction that comes from Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, conviction and condemnation are different. Holy Spirit is like there's a better way for you and draws you back. Condemnation is... I knew you were a hypocrite. You see, Father God never talks to his children that way. Father God never condemns. I knew you were that way. I, I knew you hadn't changed. I knew you were a fake. Those are all condemning. Jesus said, I came to save the world. I didn't come to condemn the world. Anytime you feel condemnation, you know that's not coming from the Lord. But Holy Spirit will speak the truth to you. But he always speaks the truth to you in a very loving, correcting, there is a better way. And what happens is when these 
guys, God is leading us to the right place, but here, oh, his heart ain't in the right place. He begins to go off in a different direction. Holy Spirit will reach out and convict and try to pull that person back into alignment to get you in the right place. All the time, Holy Spirit's gently nudging us, gently nudging us, gently nudging us. Now, I know some of y'all were raised in some old uh, heathen households. And you, you ain't, you ain't going to do right till somebody yanks you up and beats the snot out of you. And that's the only way you know of correction. And guess what? God stopped being that way at the cross. God doesn't act that way. He doesn't use any kind of punishment to get you and I into line. He uses Holy Spirit and His convicting power. But you know, I grew up in that house that it's like, you know, I'm going to push the limits. And, you know, until I hear the, you know, big black belt coming out of eight loops. And Betty Jean begins to go to town. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the way I, I was corrected. God is not going to correct you that way. He's not going to correct you that way. God is a gentleman. He is a gentle spirit. And God is always going to reach out. But there comes a time when, you know, if this guy, he just wants to go his own way and Holy Spirit reaches out to him. But if this guy contends, you know, to leave me alone, I'm going to do my own thing. Holy Spirit, reach out. Try to pull him back. But if he doesn't want to, and he's just being obstinate, there comes a time where God is going to just let him have his way. I know that's hard for us to believe sometimes, that God will just back off and let you have your way. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all helping me illustrate this point. Um. So I want us to look at First Timothy, or sorry, Second Timothy, and I want you to look at this real quick. Second Timothy says this: Paul is writing to his young protege pastor in Ephesus, and so he says, "Timothy, you've been taught the scriptures from childhood. Stop. You've been taught the scriptures from childhood. I'm telling you what, guys." There is something beautiful about being taught Scripture from an early age. I didn't get that when I was a kid. I was not raised in a Christian home. I didn't get really into church until I was about 15. And so I, I was behind all the other kids. I didn't know who Father Abraham was. I didn't know who Noah was. I know that's hard to imagine, but I didn't know who Jonah was. I didn't know who Stephen was. And I didn't know that Stephen had gotten stoned. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Not, not that kind of stoned. Stephen was stoned to death. And I didn't know all of these stories. I didn't know biblical principles and the Ten Commandments. I didn't know that. But He's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've known these truths since you were a child. Your mom taught these to you at a very early age. We know it was his mom, uh, Eunice and Lois, his mom and grandmother taught him when he was very young. We don't know where his dad was. 
And as he taught, was taught these truths, look at what it says. And they have given you what? Wisdom. The, what gave him wisdom? The scriptures gave him wisdom because that's what gives us wisdom. It's not to downplay the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's important. It's vital. But if you want to go to the very core, it's the Word of God. And if you don't have a relationship with the Word of God, listen, 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 listen to me, please. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how awesome the revival atmosphere is. If you have all of that minus a good foundation in the Word of God. You are treading on dangerous water. I cannot tell you how many people I know that they have, their whole deal was, man, if I could just get into the presence of God, if I can just get into the presence of God. The, the, the thing about the presence of God is that how do you know you're in the presence of God? Well, I just feel it. I just feel it, man. I can just feel the hair stand up on the back of my head. You know what? I've been at a concert where the people on the stage didn't even profess Jesus. And I could feel electricity in that room. And I could feel an anointing. Come on, somebody stick with me. I could feel an anointing in that room. But it was not the anointing. There is an anointing that the enemy carries, but it's not the anointing of God. And we have to be able, because if you cannot, how do I know if it's the anointing of God or not? How do I know? The scripture. That's how you know, because emotions can fool you. Listen, I, have, I, I don't mean to build myself up. I'm not trying to do that. But I have been in situations before where people were like, man, this guy is anointed. This guy is anointed. We're going to get a busload of folks from our church, and we're going to go down there. And I'm like, you might get a busload up, but we ain't getting a busload up from Destiny Church. Why, pastor? This guy is amazing. And I'm like, something in my heart does not set right. Something in my heart doesn't set right. And so I'm like, I'm just, am I going to leave it to my heart? Hmm? No. Man, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check this person out. I'm going to check this guy out. I'm going to hear what he's saying. As, as I'm listening to him, there are one, two, three, four, one after another things that is being said that are nowhere near biblical. Now, I feel a spirit of intimidation on me. Why? Because all the big-name preachers are pushing this guy up like, man, hey, look at this guy. He's the next great, you know, Billy Graham, revival, whatever. And, and, and I'm like, I feel like an idiot because I'm telling our church people that, you know, I, this is what I said. I'm not going to speak against it, but I'm going to be careful what I attach my name to. I'm not going to speak against it. I'm, not, I'm just going to be careful what I attach my name to. But I'm just telling you, I'm watching things, and they ain't lining up with the word. Little by little, things came out, and that did not end up pretty. It was a huge sore on the body of Christ. Not once, 
but twice through this particular individual. Why? Because people are, are people. And we are susceptible to our emotions. And any time we begin to operate solely in the emotional, which is the soulish realm, only within the emotional realm and outside of the spirit realm, spirit, God is looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. Both of those, not one without the other. You can be dead as a doornail and unspiritual and not even saved and be filled with the knowledge of the word. But knowledge and understanding, knowledge and implementation, knowledge and living it out are two different things. The scripture says to us that we have to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. In other words, there's got to be a life application. There's got to be a life uh, uh yeah, application. We've got to apply this, actually practice this in our life. And so I go back to this thing. He says, you, they've given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Salvation. Wisdom to receive salvation. Think of salvation in a much bigger context than I'm not going to hell. That's what sozo, the Greek word, Jesus said, I came to sozo, save the lost. He didn't come just so you didn't get to go to hell. He didn't come just so that you and I can um, not, you know, whatever hell looks like. I don't want to get off into that. You know, he, he didn't come just so that he could be an escape, get out of hell free card for you. He came that you would have sozo. And that word, um, the Greeks use for a multiplicity of things. One, for salvation. They use that word also for healing. They use that word also for deliverance. So when you think of salvation, think of greater. I mean, I think of people that, you know, when people say, Bless God, he got saved on his deathbed. You know, he's in heaven today. I think, yes, he is, and, and that's the bare minimum. Now, if you have people in your family, because I have people that came into the kingdom that way, don't think for a minute I'm saying that's a bad thing, but it's an incomplete thing. And I think when they get there and they realize, man, what kind of life could I have been living what kind of life free from addiction? What kind of life free from all of these different uh, things? I could have been living a delivered life. I could have been living a healed life. I could have been living in such a, a, a greater holistic way. But they didn't. They got that one part. But when you think of salvation, think of it larger than, than just salvation and an eternal security. Think of it as in God... God saved me financially. God has saved Shay and I financially before. God has saved us relationally before. God has saved us physically before. So there's so many different ways that God can save. And so he's looking at Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, you've known the scriptures since childhood. They've, they've given you the ability to have this salvation, this holistic life, the good life. And he says, look at this in verse 16. He says, all scripture, Timothy, is inspired by God. In some version of the scriptures, it says, 
all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it's like, it's the breath of God. It's a part of God himself. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for these things. Let's count them. It's good good to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And it looks like he's fixing to add a couple of more things, but he's really just saying what he just said in reverse. And he says, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So even though it looks like four things, that's really just two things. He's basically saying it like this. It teaches us what's right and steers us away from what's wrong. And then he says, it steers us away from what's wrong and he teaches us what's right. So he's just repeating himself inversely. And then in verse 17, it says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Like, so let's, let's look at what God is doing here through the word. What does the word, God's heart, teach me? Because if you're looking for wisdom, wisdom is always going to come from God's heart. And God expresses his heart through the word of God. So it does this. It lays a foundation for truth. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter what you think. What does the word say? The end. If you truly are looking at walking in alignment with God, it's not about your, what does your body say? What does your feelings say? That's why we should be careful before, Paul says this. He says, don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? God lives in you. You carry God around inside of you. You carry potent power that's inside of you to release. Don't you know your body's the Holy Spirit? And so God says, be aware that your body, your emotions, everything that you are is is a carrier of God, is an instrument of God. So be careful as you begin to align yourself with things that are not godly. And I'm telling you what, we'll make all kinds of excuses to be like, man, I go to church. Man, I, I, I even serve. Man, I, I, I give my tithe. I, you know, I do all these things. But I'm, I'm going you know, to have some of these things. The scripture says, or, or sorry, we, we say in our declaration, to align my heart. Well, when we say heart, we mean your whole heart. Jesus said, how, how, do you, how does he want you How does he want you to worship him? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with every part of your being. And when we begin to get outside of that in what our feelings tell us, because I'm telling you, I have acted on my feelings before and gotten out of the will of God. You know, we get back into that thing of like, Jesus, you better hold me back, Jesus. Mm-mm, you hold yourself back. What does the Word say? The Word said, I just, I'm going to have to have the Holy Spirit to stop me for a minute. No, you stop yourself. Because What does the Word say? The Word says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Not Jesus' control. But because we don't want to take responsibility for ourselves, when we mess up, we want to blame God. But I heard Holy Spirit, He told me that I was supposed to be in this relationship. And it's like, 
Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. Your body told you that. How can it feel wrong when it feels all right? Why? Because your body's telling you it's right. Your emotions are telling you it's right. But what does the word of God say? What does God say in his word? And a lot of times, if you, you know, Pastor, I just need you to pray with me. Honestly, do we need to pray about it? What does God's word say? Is the answer in there? Because if the answer's in there, we don't need to pray about it. I'm just saying that. All right, don't patty cake it. I know it sounds spiritual to pray for things. I know that sounds spiritual. It even sounds wise. But is it wise if God's already settled it in the word? If it's already settled, you and I can pray all day long and twice on Tuesday and God still ain't going to change his mind. Because what God has settled in morality is always there. Culture is going to constantly change morality. God never changes. Never changes. And so it's a found, his word lays a foundation of truth. And if you'll begin to hide the word like Shay hides those chocolates in your heart and you'll just tuck those away, I promise you what will happen is when you begin to veer off Holy Spirit, there is a Holy Ghost activator in you that there's a warning system that he's built inside of you that'll just start going off. And it feels like your heart's going to beat out of its chest and you start getting a hot flash. For those of you over 40, y'all have to let the gift of discernment let you know if it's menopause or if it's Holy Spirit, all right? But you know what I'm saying. Things will start happening in your body. Why? Because the Lord, he's got built-in warning systems to let you know, like, hey, is this this okay? Is Is it okay? It also does this. It sets an expectation of correction. Y'all just don't even look at that and don't even write it down because I know you ain't going to want to do it. <laughs> Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is, and is profitable, productive for two things. One, to, cor- uh, to uh, tell us what's true. And number two, to correct us when we're wrong. Hey, I'm just telling you, in today's church, especially it's, it's epidemic in the American church. When I say the American church, I'm, I'm talking about Canadian, the United States, and all of pretty much the Americas south of us. But from, it's really that whole North American mindset. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I experience it almost on a weekly basis. Don't tell me what to do. Like, and it's like, you know, honestly, if, if we were following God to the right place, listen, God didn't create me to be your pain in the butt. That's not, not what he created me for. That's not what he created pastors. I might be that every now and then, but he created pastors to truly watch over their people that God has entrusted them to, to help you live to get you to that right place. But we live in a, in a society that it's like, 
Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to buy my little girl a t-shirt that says, you're not the boss of me. Because I had that happen in my own family. Not, not our kids, but, but I'm like, you need to take that shirt off of her. Because that is a rebellious mindset. You're not the boss of me. My daughter said that one time to a lady that I look up to as, as a mother. And she's like, you're not my boss. I'm like, hang on just a second. <laughs> she's just going to go meet the word of God of correction, you know. And it's like, don't you ever say that to her again. Do you understand? You respect her. Now we're fixing to go apologize. March her right back out. The rod of correction, the word of God, got up on her and never had that problem again. You know? But people don't like to be corrected when they are not living out, when they are living outside of God's best for them. I'm telling you, I have watched people break fellowship over being corrected. You know why? Because of shame. I mean, nobody likes to be, you know, uh, wrong. And there's a, there's a shame that comes to it. That's not what we want. But if you get off into that conviction, condemnation thing, there's a difference between conviction and you got condemnation. The enemy's going, oh, what's everybody going to think? Nobody's going to love you. You're not going to be able to. All of this on you, and they'll break fellowship because they don't want to deal with that. And I've, I have literally looked in the face of people, and I've said, but how is the body of Christ going to see us show what happens when, it, when we get it wrong? Like, how will we teach them? Like, if we, if we always break fellowship, how, how will the body ever go, oh, that's what it looks like to operate in love. Oh, that's what it looks like to operate in unity. Oh, that's what repentance looks like. Oh, oh, that's what restoration and reconciliation. What happens when we don't ever allow ourselves to be corrected? Because I'm telling you, everybody gets correction. Everybody. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will correct you. Sometimes you'll be reading the word and the word will correct you because you will see, oh, I'm not living that way. And then there are sometimes God puts people in your path. It might be your friend. It might be your pastor. It might be a mentor, a counselor. But God will put people in your path to correct you. And if that person, you know when people have your best interests at heart. Like I'm telling you, I have corrected people. As a spiritual leader. And I've told them. Uh, hey. Have we learned something here? Like can we move on from today? And can we, can we move forward? And you and I. We know what's gone on. And you know we, we, we're going to correct this. But can we move forward? And it's so beautiful when that happens. And I've shared with this one person. I said. I, I want you to understand the context because outside of destiny, I've had leaders that have never served anywhere in the body of Christ before. 
And I've, I've shared before, like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I've served on a number of churches, staffs, and I'm just letting you know that there are guys that if this had been me and them, they would have let me know, today's your last day. And that's not how we are, because we don't operate that way. I had a lady one time to tell me, Pastor, um, you, should, you, should, uh, you should not have that person in leadership, and you should kick them out of the church. I'm serious. You shouldn't have them in leadership, and you should kick them out of the church. And this was a volunteer leader at our church, and I said, well, I'm not going to do that because that's not how I parent, and I'm this person's spiritual father, and I've known them since they were 11 years old. I know their heart. I know they are, you know, uh, I know they're a good person, and, you know, they made a mistake. It's not a deal-breaker mistake, and I don't, I don't, I don't pastor that way. I don't parent that way. I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like, here it comes, here it comes, bend over boy, you made that mistake, here it is, I, you know, I don't, I don't just kick butt and take names, you know, that's not, no, that's not, that's not the God we serve. I said, we're going to have a conversation, and we're going to say, is there, was, was there a better way that you could have done that? Did you use wisdom? Was that the, it wasn't what they did was wrong. It was wrong to that person, but it wasn't wrong to this person or you or me. But it violated this person's conscience. We have to be careful because we can't get into like what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And what, what does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? And so I said, we're going to have a conversation. This is how I do my kids. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk it through. And we're going to see, can we come to like an understanding of what does God's word say? And then on top of that, was that the best decision? But we don't operate in a way that it's like the correction is like, hey, you messed up. You're unworthy of ministry. Do you know how many people in the kingdom have walked away from their relationship with God and a local church because the long, hard rod of religion has beat them because they made a mistake. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with the church. I can't tell you how many people that I know who have experienced that. That's not how we correct. We correct and speak The truth in love. The truth in love. Man, it's hard to do that. If anybody ever tells you it's easy to speak the truth in love, I'm telling you, that is not hard. That is not easy to do. That is very, very, very difficult to do. Nevertheless, that's what we are called to do as the family of God. So it lays a foundation of truth, it sets an expectation of correction, and it prepares us for good works. So when, when you, this, he told Timothy, hey, it corrects us when we're wrong. It speaks truth to us, but it prepares. And the scripture in some version says it completes 
every godly man or woman for the work that God has called you to do. And I'm telling you what, God's got a plan for everybody. Everybody listening to me in this house or on, on uh, uh, live stream, God has this plan for us to operate under a calling, a purpose. And as you operate in your purpose, wherever that is, if, you have not, if you're not in alignment with the Word of God, you won't even... Having a purpose won't even be a clue. Man, I didn't know my life had a purpose until I started uh, maturing in Christ. I had no clue that there was more to my life that was getting up 7 a.m., going to work 8 a.m., punching the clock, going to the water cooler, going to take lunch, getting off at 5, coming home, cutting my yard, being tired, go get a shower, go sit in the recliner, go to sleep, and the next day, guess what we get to do all over again? All of that. If that's the life you're living, there's so much more to life for you. Well, Pastor Rife, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's a whole other thing that if you connect yourself with the body, you will learn that. Through, just through osmosis. You'll pick it up just by being around godly people and regular teaching from God's word. So let's say this together real quick. My heart, when my heart is in the right place, I'll always end up at the right place. I'm telling you, man, if your heart's in the right place, meaning it's aligned with God's word, you're always going to end up at the right place. You're going to end up in the right marriage. You're going to end up in the right job. You're going to end up in whatever you fill in the blank. You're going to end up there. You might go through some seasons of your life where you don't understand it. And it doesn't seem like you're at the right place. But look at your heart. And it, I'm telling you, if your heart is in the right place, you will end up at the right place. I um, have many times been in situations where it's like, God, I don't know what's right here. I don't know what's right. God, will you show me? And I didn't, I didn't see any signs or anything like that. So what did I do? I just proceeded slowly. I held on to God. And I even one time had God to show me this vision. And it was just this really beautiful vision that kind of, because that's how God speaks to me a lot of times, just in pictures. And I, as I'm praying, I see myself, and there's fog everywhere. I cannot see. Visibility is like you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And I was praying for direction on something, and I wasn't hearing anything from God. But out of that fog, I just saw a hand come out of that fog. And I knew it was the hand of the Lord, you know. And I reached up, and I took that hand. And I'm, I'm saying, but God, I can't see. I don't know where you're leading me. And he said, don't worry about where I'm leading you because I won't lead you wrong. He said, just hold on to me and I will lead you to the right place. And I tell you what, I live my life that way. If I can't, if I don't know what the right answer is, if scripture, you know, doesn't have a specific answer. And let me clarify that. Many times scripture, you know, is not going to give you a specific answer because some things when the Bible was invented or some things were not invented when the Bible was written but principally 
there are principles that guide us that still everything that was written after what we believe the canon, the Bible, the full, the full canon of the Bible was closed. Everything that came after that invention-wise, everything that came past that, what does God say about transgender? Well, you are not going to find that word in here, but you will find the principles that outline that. You see what I'm saying? So there's all kinds of things that you can go to, but the principles will line up for us. And so, how, Pastor Rife, how can I, how can I um, apply this today? All right, I'm going to give you, I think, three ways that you can apply it, and I'm going to go very quickly. So the first way is check your heart for rebellion. I'm going to tell you, rebellion is one of those sneaky little things that it doesn't just manifest yourself like a to- itself like a toddler. Like, no! It's really subtle. Rebellion is really subtle. When Eve rebelled in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't a in-your-face defiance. It was so subtle. You hardly even knew it was happening. Just be careful. Check your heart for, re- for rebellion. And just like... Uh, King David constantly would say, God, is there anything in me that I don't see? And I promise you, if you ask God honest honest questions, he will give you the honest truth. And he will show you things. So, God, is there any rebellion in me? God, is there anything that, like, I know what your word says, but, like, I want to do something differently? Just check your heart for that. The second thing is this. Renounce. Any ungodly soul ties or alliances or partnerships that you've made. Because if you are in alliance with any kind of ungodly soul tie or any kind of ungodly partnership, I'm telling you, an ungodly, this is going to be profound what I'm about to say and so simplistic. An ungodly soul tie is never going to pull you in a godly direction. Never. Never. An ungodly soul tie is always going to pull you in an ungodly direction. And there are some that will, that will yank you in an ungodly direction, and then there are some that it's like, you don't even know you're turning. You don't even know you're turning away from God until you look over and go, how did I get here? How did I end up in this place? And an ungodly soul tie is someone who does not uh, practice the faith. They're not a believer. Don't partner yourself with people like that. In close friendships, Pastor Rife, I got a really close friend that's an unbeliever. Do I have to uh, sever my relationship with them? No. We should be in in, in relationship with people. But Pastor Rife, it sounds like you're saying things that are confusing. What I'm saying to you is if you have unbelievers that have greater influence in your life than you do a group of believers, you're out of balance. People who know God's word and live by God's word should be your greatest influencers. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have ungodly soul ties 
renounce those and take back the authority that you have and say, God, I'm not going to allow this relationship to steer me in the wrong direction anymore. Some of those relationships you have to bring back into a place of balance of their influence, and some of them you do have to sever. You need to cut people out of your life who are not leading you in the right direction and are looking out for your best interest. And this is the third thing, is repent. Like, you change your direction. Remember when I was saying earlier, like, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to hold me? No, you hold yourself back. We live in a day that nobody wants to take responsibility for themselves or their actions. Grow up. Take responsibility for yourself, your actions. And there are times when if you're waiting on Holy Spirit to come into your house and manifest in the physical and yank that Twinkie out of your hands when you're supposed to be trying to lose weight, it's not going to happen. You take control. If you think that Holy Spirit is going to manifest and pick up your phone. I forgot. Here's mine. And go through your contacts and go, uh-uh, no, girl. Mm-mm. I'm the blocking him. I'm deleting him. I'm, mm-mm. I'm do- it's not going to happen. You repent. Repent means change your way. You repent. You change your way. What is the wise thing for you to do if you're trying to end up in the right place? So that's all I got to say about it. And I'm telling you, if you'll do these things, you'll find yourself beginning to live in a holistic way. And you'll start to see growth in your life like you've never seen before. And if you don't want to do that, then just live the way that you want to. But I can tell you, You're not going to end up here.